we live? I think we're live. I hit the button again, the wrong button. That's what happens when you're doing everything like this yourself. Hello, welcome to Anchored in Hope with Father Larry Richards. In case you're wondering, I'm Father Larry Richards. And good to be here with you today. We are in the midst of getting everything ready for our Oktoberfest. Again, that is this weekend, beginning tomorrow, 5 o'clock. The mayor taps the keg at 5 p.m. tomorrow. For those of you in the tri-state area, come on down. It's tomorrow, 5 to 10, and Saturday, 1 to 10, and Sunday, noon to 5. And we have lots of food. I have been making sauerkraut balls last night, this morning, with all the stuff going on. We had a, we've been going crazy. We make six thousand sauerkraut balls now you might know what a sauerkraut ball is but it's got sauerkraut in it of course and there's pork uh, uh, sausage in there and it's all rolled up and it's deep fried and you might think it's not good it's our number one seller people go crazy for sauerkraut balls so encourage you to come we have eight different kinds of beers on tap uh, from all over the world we have a wine thing. We have lots of German food, you know, Bavarian uh, schnitzel and all that kind of stuff and Bavarian goulash and, oh, it's so good. And a lot of uh, other stuff. It's just fantastic. A lot of good bands and everything else. And we have the baskets. We have over 170 baskets. You can go online tonight. Midnight is the last you can order a, uh, or take a chance on a basket. It's only 50 cents, but we have our 170 baskets. Just go to stjosephbol.org, stjosephbol.org. That's www, of course, stjosephbol.org. It's the last you can be hearing this from me because it's over this weekend. So there's 170 baskets. You can take some chances. Some of them, they can't be mailed out, and it'll say right there. But if you win, we will mail out all the contents to you after you win. So you can do that. Of course, you don't have to be present. And we only have our, of our, um, we're selling the raffle tickets for the, um, uh, the 2021 Boxster or $50,000. As of right now, we only have 1,100 tickets. That's 1,100 tickets uh, sold. So your chances of winning that car are very good or winning the money are very good. Last year, we sold 42,000 tickets for $10. These ones are $100 uh, each. And so uh, if you want a great chance to win $50,000 or a car, again, just go to St. Joseph. Uh, bol.org st joseph's bol.org and uh you can hit as soon as it it sits there and says buy tickets there's a big picture of the car there or learn more about oktoberfest all the food everything's in there we have a wiener dog roast on uh roast (laughs) no we don't we have a wiener dog race on uh, Saturday at 2 p.m and we have you know all these people come for they bring their uh little wiener dogs and uh they're in this race and then we have prizes and trophies and everything else it's a great thing you can go on that and you can uh, also if you want to bring your wiener dog and put him in the race just go to st joseph's bol.org and right there you'll say wiener dog race and click it and it'll take you to the, all the things are right there when you go to the oktoberfest page now when you click oktoberfest it looks the same because the top's the same you have to always scroll down to get to all the things i've been talking to you about so again if you can't come at least pray for us uh 
Uh, so we only do one fundraiser a year, and this is it. We're only 400 families, and so it's always me going out begging. Uh, like I say, I'm the father of the parish, so it's my job to, to beg for the parish. So, But that's all of that. So but thanks for listening to that little runoff about my parish. Anyway, first thing we need to do is pray. In the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Father, thank you for hearing us. We know that you always hear us. Thank you for allowing us to know you and to love you and to serve you. Thank you for allowing us to know your love, to know your mercy. Thank you for allowing us to unite in the name of your Son. Father, send your Holy Spirit upon us that we may love you more, that we may love your people more, that we may become your saints. We beg you these things, Holy Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Mary, Mother of Jesus, pray for us. Good Saint Joseph, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Okay, so again, the way this works is I don't have many... Um, uh, things from the internet, questions on the internet, because the people that do that have been working on this Oktoberfest stuff, and so everybody is focused on getting everything done for Oktoberfest, so I don't have, uh, I didn't have any new ones, so again, what you can do is just on this, those of you who are alive, just uh, type uh, questions on the side under the chat, and I will answer them as I can, but again, we don't have many uh, live right now, we don't have many things, so we'll do as long as we do it here, okay? So let's begin. Uh, I do have one here. Can I think of it? I would like to know what Father Larry thinks about the countdown to the kingdom. Is it a legitimate website? Of course it's a legitimate web a website. I had to go look it up. And, um, but again, it's uh, private uh, revelations, and it talks about the three days of darkness. And I, I don't buy it. I don't buy the three days of darkness and all this stuff and um, people say, well, Padre Pio did, and of course he might have. I, I'm not sure that I've never seen explicit where that said that. But anyway, even if he did, the saints have been wrong about many things. I always, always go back to what is the teaching of the magisterium because it's only the church, the pope with the bishops, that Christ promised the gates of hell would not prevail against it. That's the promise of Christ himself. The devil can often appear as an angel of light. Now, I'm not saying that's what that website is at all. I'm just saying they might be very good, even holy people, but I just don't agree with the things that they're all the things there. And I didn't get to go through everything. But again, um, you know, all everything. Like I, I have great devotion to Our Lady at uh, Our Lords and Our Lady of Guadalupe and Our Lady of Fatima. But you don't have to believe in any of those things to be a good Catholic. And according to teaching a church, you don't have to believe in any of those things to be saved. So, like I, I can believe them, and I do. Um, the other things I don't. I normally uh, don't believe anything until this church pronounces for or against it. And uh, I know a lot of people now sit there and they don't trust the bishops, they don't trust the Pope, but that's the only thing we got to trust on if we're going to trust in Jesus. Because the moment we start separating from the magisterium, 
then we become just like other Protestants, you know, that uh, we're protesting against those things we don't believe, and we start uh, saying we can believe in Jesus, and you can, and you can have a relationship with Jesus, and you can, but I'm not going to do it uh, because of this pope and his bishops, and you can, but you're no longer Catholic. That's the whole point. And so we got to make sure that uh, we follow the magisterium, the bishop and the priests united, and that's with the catechism, that's with tradition, that's with the scriptures, uh, but there's the living tradition now through the magisterium. So that's what we always got to do because, trust me, I have been doing this now for 32 years, and I've been in the seminary longer than that, of course, since I was 17, but I've heard so many people talk about this is of God and then I find out it's not even close to being of God. And they make all these predictions and the world's ending and all this. And I just say what Father Benedict Rochelle promises, promises. What you and I got to be doing and what we got to be focused on all every day is doing God's will in our life. So I would encourage you not to be going to these type websites. Go to Jesus. Listen. Look, the catechism, listen to Jesus. Don't someone listen to someone's interpretation of all these things. You know, like my spiritual directees, I sit there and I tell my spiritual directees that uh, you have to spend time and go to scripture every day. I'm not going to give you a scripture. I want you to go to the Lord. I don't want you to come to me. I want you to go to Jesus. And that's what everyone who's listening here, you don't have to come to me. You don't have to go to a seer. You don't have to go to this. You got to go to Jesus. So Jesus speaks through his word. He speaks in prayer and he speaks to the magisterium. So if you're doing and focusing on those things, they should all agree if it's truth. And uh, it, it always has for me. You know, and I'm sure it always will for you, but you got to be making sure you're praying, 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 listening, 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 understanding the teaching of the church and making sure you're not listening to people who are filled with pride and filled with arrogance and think that they know more than a church because it's always a sign of the evil one. Always. I will not serve. I will not submit. I will. This is what I believe and you should all be following me. No, you shouldn't. Follow one person, Jesus and through the teaching of his church, that's what you need to do, and you will be fine. You'll be a saint, a great saint, God willing. Okay, so let's go now on here. Do, 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 do. Hello, Father, thank you. Who gets to pull the winning Porsche ticket? Well, I do, of course. And when I pull that winning Porsche ticket on, it's Friday, Sunday at 5 p.m. I make sure I have my short sleeves on. I turn away my head. It's all on live video just to make sure. I put my hand in there and I just, okay, go back and forth and grab it. Don't look, have no idea. I pull it out and whoever wins, wins. And it's always interesting, you know, but I always want to... I always feel, I'll give you a little hint, very bad for all the people at, because uh, I know there's so many people that are hoping and woping and praying and praying, come on, we need this, we need this, we need this, come on, God. And that's the whole thing, you know, everyone who buys a ticket says, Father, you pray for me that I win this ticket. I, okay. And, you know, but everybody's praying to God to win that ticket. Isn't it amazing? God only chooses one. Um, and so, um, but it's a pretty good deal. So I'd encourage you, but that'll be five o'clock. You'll be able to see it on this. Uh, I think we do it on here. We do it through the, uh, um, the, the Facebook page, uh, uh, Oktoberfest Erie PA. 
either one, but I think we'll do it here too. So, uh, but we'll do it. But I'll pull it right away. Everybody's going to know it, and hopefully, one of you are watching a win. Won't that be great and exciting? Okay, so let's go on here. Father Larry, I'm very excited to say I will be bringing my sons to Erie on Saturday for some fishing in the afternoon and in the morning and Oktoberfest in the afternoon. I can't wait. That'll be perfect. That's when I was a kid. I used to come fishing all the time in uh, Erie, Pennsylvania. That's why I ended up living here. Uh, but that notice, I always did it in the summer. I never experienced in Erie in the winter. But again, we do have a fine time. And if you do come to Oktoberfest, please, I'm walking around the whole weekend. You know, except for Mass, I'm at Mass, or I'm hearing confessions. So uh, during that time, which I hear confessions Saturday from 3 to 4, and then Mass is at 4.15 to 5.15, that's the time you usually won't see me, because uh, I'll be, well, you won't see me at that time. And then uh, I have the, 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 I have all three Masses this weekend. So 4.15 on Saturday, 8.30 in the morning on Sunday and 11 o'clock in the morning on Sunday. And then my assistant has the 7 p.m. mass on Sunday night. So uh, again, I'd encourage you if, you, if you're here, to make sure you come up and say hi to me. Tell me where you're from, all that kind of stuff. I love meeting people. There's usually by 8.30, I'll be gone because I go to bed. And then, so if you're 8.30 at night, that won't uh, help. And I just encourage, if I'm talking to someone else, wait till I get done talking to someone else because sometimes a bunch of people try to talk to me at the same time and then I can't give anybody the, my attention I need to give you. So, uh, and don't be scandalized if I'm sitting there with a beer because I usually have a big leader. We have these big things of beer. Uh, and so I, you know, as a good pastor, I have to be an example, you know. So I always have a... a, a thing of beer in me but i also have a great picture there that of uh, pope uh, benedict the 16th because of his Oktoberfest. there he is the cardinal and he has his big beer in his hand i said see i'm just like the pope i'm just saying now so but please make sure you say hello to me okay let's go on here on the bible app what version of the bible in that app do you use i have uh, what version I have an app, but that, but what version? Great app, love it. Again, the Catholic version for the Bible app. There's a whole mess of versions here, and again, I've told you before about the Bible app. The Bible app has all kinds of. Um, uh, it just says Holy Bible. You can go. It's both on your uh, iPhone. You can also do it on your Galaxy or whatever. And so it has the Bible here, and for whatever reason now it's given me an error. But there's uh, plenty of plans you can use. But there's all kinds of, uh, why is it giving me an error? Okay, so here, the versions they have is the New International Version, a New American Standard Version, New Amer American Bible Revised, King James, the Amplified Bible. There's all these things. There's even um, the Dooms Rhymes, which is the Dewey Rhymes, which is the old Latin translation of the Bible. I don't look at that because it's very old English. It's like the old King James Version. Um, the ones that the, the New American Bible for uh, Catholics is out there. But you want to make sure that, let's look and see if it has the book of Maccabees. If it has the book of Maccabees first and second, then that's the Catholic Bible, uh, the Catholic um, uh, that has more of the books in the Old Testament. 
But here it has a Catholic public domain version, so that would have it. There's all kinds. Usually my day in and day out is I, uh, when I publish at night, every night, 99% of the time I publish with the new international version, which isn't a Catholic version, but the New Testament, it's all the same. We all have the same books. And I usually publish them in that, and it's just a version. It's a little bit easier for English-speaking people. So that's the one I use mostly myself uh, when I'm not doing private scripture reading, but I'm trying to put something out there for everything else. So hope that helps. Again, it's a great Bible uh, thing, great, great uh, Bible app it's uh, called. Okay, hi, Chris. Can't make it this weekend. Forget it. If you can't come up, forget it. I'm not even talking to you. That's done, done. Don't talk to me anymore. No more emails. I'm done with you. <laughs> Isn't that something? That'd be terrible. Anyway, did I get a raffle ticket? I did get a raffle ticket, though. Okay, then you can stay away. As long as you got a raffle ticket, that's fine. <laughs> and again, we are in deep need of raffle tickets. Only 1,100 sold. We are only selling 4,000. So again, it's a great, great deal to get a raffle ticket right now. Uh, we're not going to, you know, force the 4,000. Whenever we get done, okay, uh, by Friday at uh uh, a Saturday, a Sunday at uh, 5 o'clock, that's when it ends. And so, uh, but right now, you're... Uh, your chances are very good. Okay. Good afternoon, Father. I went to confession and spoke with three different priests about sterilization. All three said it was my husband and my decision. I, want, I do not want to be away from God. What should I do? What's well, a true statement. It's your decision. But what's the decision before God? What's God's decision for that? And we talk about why people uh, get sterilized, why they, you know, uh, get hysterectomies or the guy would get a, um, uh, whatever that's called. Um, but anyway, I always say, if it's, all, if it's a selfish reason, it's mortally sinful. You know, if it's just because I don't want any more kids, it's, well, again, the, the teaching of the church is clear. You're telling God that you're in charge of your life and you'll decide to do it because you want to. If you have to do it for... Um, health reasons that there's other things there the best thing to do is uh, you, you know is there's a uh, a website out there uh, uh, for catholic morality and it, it talks about all these situations because a lot of times you know i can make a blanket statement like again the blanket statement clearly is artificial birth control and sterilization would be artificial birth control is mortally sinful correct so not saying anything other than that. I cannot. That's a teaching of the church. No one asked me my opinion. It's not, it's not my uh, uh, place to ever tell anybody anything else other than the uh, teaching of the church because I am a Roman Catholic priest and I represent the Roman Catholic Church. Period, comma, end of all paragraphs. But remember for all sin, it takes serious matter, full knowledge, and full consent of the will for something to be mortal. So, Serious matter, full knowledge, full consent. So objectively, it's always wrong if you're doing it for selfish reasons or I just don't want any more kids or whatever it is. But uh, subjectively, there might be other reasons for it. We can't discuss those reasons here. That's why you need to talk to an orthodox priest, but one who is pastoral. Because 
Again, we can just focus on rules, and Pope Francis is very clear that we got to go beyond the rules. Okay, so what's it teaching? Is Christ in charge of every part of your life? Is Jesus in charge of your sexual life, your financial life, and everything else? And that's why it's always so funny, because sometimes people sit there and say, Father, you must tell them that it's a mortal sin to commit to use artificial birth control. Okay, I just did, objectively. But it's also mortally sinful not to take care of the poor. Why? Because God said you'll go to hell forever for that. Why don't you, why don't you teach that stuff, Father? Well, I'm trying to do a little bit of both. But it's always interesting. Everyone has their own pet peeve about what we need to be pushing. And we don't say it enough. And how come, Father, that we don't hear enough of this from the pulpit? Well, you know, all you're trying to do is push your own agenda. But the agenda you and I should be pushing when it comes right down to it is for people to be saved. That's the agenda of God. And so, if the agenda of God is that all people be saved and come to the knowledge of his truth, your number one um, goal in life is to fulfill the wish of the Father. And he wants everyone to be saved. So, how do we get people there? It's always what it comes down to. You know, they say, Father, you're not strong enough, or Father, you're getting weaker. You know, again, just trust me. Before Mass this morning, I almost sent someone to heaven, you know, and it was just that reality. It was like someone, uh, anyway, but still, I am not getting weak. You can find plenty of stuff uh, on the Internet where I'm not, and you can see me, you know, one of the, I did a, a high school prep retreat yesterday for the, the school I used to teach on. And so one of the kids brought up something that if you, if you ever search for me on YouTube or anything else, you'll find some very hate-filled things that I had said once. And it put in the context of the talk, it's not that hate-filled. In fact, it's, it's being very clear about uh, what we're saying. But you, you know, like I talk about, people say, the father, like the, person, the kid said to me, he says, yeah, you hate big families that go to daily mass. And I go, you didn't listen to the fullness of uh, the quote now, did you, son? That's all people hear because then they just get angry and hate me forever. I says, I shouldn't have said hate, but I said, I hate big families who go to daily mass and do not love their children. That's what I said. And do I mean that still? Yeah. All people know you're my disciples because you love each other. So, you can go to daily mass. You can say a thousand rosaries in an hour. You can do a holy hour every day. If you don't love people, especially your family, you're going to hell. That's the truth. So you can sit there and see when I'm yelling and screaming and spitting and everything else and saying, look at him, look at that. And it's very 100% true. But you got to always put it in the context of things. So hopefully... Uh, you're hearing what I'm saying, so you need to also be pastoral. That's what I'm saying. Again, with this, all this stuff, what is the teaching and how is it pastorally enforced? Because you can go to daily mass, you can do all these things and still be an atheist. You gotta be in a relationship with Jesus and you gotta be seeking Jesus's will in your life. That means you're listening in your prayer every day. You're not just saying, saying prayers. You're listening. You're trying to find out what does God want? Now, you do know this. The prayer isn't for you to change God's mind and make him do things for you. 
prayers for you to submit yourself to the will of God and get your marching orders from him. What does he want you to do? And then you do it. So you always go to prayer knowing that God wants you to do something. And what does he want you to do? Or he might want you to know something. He might want you to know that you're loved and you're his beloved daughter. You're his beloved son. He might want you to forgive somebody. He might want you to take care of the poor. He might want you to make up with your spouse. He might want you to uh, reach out to your kids who are mad at you. He might want you to fill in the blank. Fill in the blank. But you have to find that out when you go to Jesus. So I just encourage you, please, if we could just focus on Jesus, just focus on Jesus, just focus on him and listen to him, to come to know his voice. Because again, the word of God says, my sheep hear my voice. So you got to do it and you got to suspend that time in prayer. Aren't we all tired of judging each other? Aren't you tired of it? I am sick of it and tired of it. Just come on. Now, I'm not in any way like down about it. I'm just saying enough's 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 enough. Do we have nothing better to do with our lives? People are dying around us because they don't know Jesus. And we are making sure we're getting our opinion out there and we're judging the people and helping everybody know they're sinners. That's great when we help everyone to know they're sinners. Isn't that, don't we feel good about that? How come we're not trying to make everyone know that they're loved by God? even if they're sinners. And that love can change people's hearts. It just can. So here's a, a question that came out, and we didn't get to it earlier. And uh, it's the last one I have of the emails. So you can just, again, email to the Reason for Our Hope Foundation, and they'll get all the emails to me. But this is a guy named Larry from Wisconsin. Great name from Wisconsin. And he says... Uh, Help us with the following reasons my son and his wife have walked away from the church. And these are reasons a lot of people have walked away from the church. And so I want to deal with them uh, to answer his question. The first reason they walked around away from the church is the sexual abuse from the clergy and its cover-up, especially against children. <laughs> Absolutely, positively, that is a good reason. It just is. Not only because of the weakness of the people who uh, hurt kids. Are you kidding me? But when we did cover it up, how, how bad was that? How do we trust people? How do we trust our church? How do we trust our bishops? How do we trust our clergy? And so as one who's been in the midst of that, I was abused, of course, most of you know, when I was a senior in high school seminary by the rector of the seminary. And I've had to deal with many young people who are now adults who have been abused and to deal with the hurt and the pain in my life and in the life of other people's. And first of all, in my life, I had to deal with it through forgiveness you know, and again, when I talked about this once years ago on EWTN, right after it came out, and I talked about I was abused and I forgive him, and a, a woman uh, emailed me just filled with anger and saying, how dare you forgive these people? I have, I come from a, I have a lot of children, and my husband's a, law, a judge, and I resent very much that you would forgive this person. And again, when we don't forgive, we can be damned forever. 
It's just, a, it's just the reality. Again, I don't say this stuff. Jesus says this stuff. Again, right after he teaches the Lord's Prayer, he says, if you forgive other people, your Father will forgive you. If you do not forgive others, your Heavenly Father will not forgive you, which means you will be damned. Very simple. Just very simple. So, in my own life, it began the healing from acknowledging that though there was very hate-filled uh, or, or sin-filled uh, priests and bishops, that wasn't the whole church. In a, as a priest for 32 years, 98% of the priests I know are good and holy priests. Almost every bishop I have known and had a chance to be with have been good and holy uh, bishops. Some of them were mistaken trying to uh, protect the church, which was wrong. They should have been protecting the children. But right now, there's not any organization that deals with this more than the Catholic Church. As soon as now, it doesn't mean we can't. We uh, we have stopped everybody. Just recently on. Um, on uh, on in the news there was a priest in um i forget what diocese it is but they had just found out he had uh, was accused of abuse and he was a young priest i think only ordained four or five years if that long and immediately the bishop turned him in immediately when in my diocese there was a priest who i've known forever who i thought was a good man was a dean uh went to confession to him trusted him unbelievably he was abusing kids as soon as the bishop the bishop didn't even call uh, the priest. He immediately called the police, immediately, and turned him in. Uh, and that's the way it should be. And that's the way we must do things now. It's just that simple. So the priest, the, the church is on top of this. It has repented of it, and it's trying to do everything power in its power uh, to fix it. Literally, when they put priests back in, is they would send these priests off to... Um, uh, a psychologist, and the psychologist would sit there and, you know, they'd spend six months or a year, whatever, and then the psychologist would say, uh, in those days, they didn't know a lot about this stuff then, okay, they're, I think they're healed, so you can put them back in the ministry, and that's part of the problem. So it wasn't just the bishops, they didn't know either. But again, no excuse, what they did was wrong, evil, and the church has done a lot of wrong and evil in its history because it's also a human institution. Divine, God is present there, but run by a bunch of human beings. And so, uh, we have to just know that, that there's sin in me, there's sin in you, there's sin in all of us. We will never, ever experience any person without sin, ever, including the person we look at the mirror every day. So we're all a bunch of wounded healers. So I've stayed in the church because the teaching of the church is true. No matter how sinful the people are who have... Uh, uh, brought that forth or been the representatives of the church. The church is still the body of Christ. The church still teaches the fullness of the truth. That's why I stay in the church. The church still has the most blessed sacrament, which is God incarnate on this earth who still feeds us with his precious body and blood. And this Jesus promises us, if you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you will live forever. So there's nowhere else to go. That's why I'm still in the church. And that's why most people that stay, still stay. Knowing the sin, knowing the weakness, but not looking at that only, not excusing it, but looking at Jesus and his power and his truth. Okay, first part. 
Uh, second part, inequality and discrimination. The church does not recognize gay marriage and shows a lack of equal treatment and support of the LGBTQ community. Additionally, the church does not lead, allow women to lead. Women can't become priests, bishops, etc., leading to a strongly visible appearance of gender inequality. The greatest woman that ever existed and is higher than any priest or bishop or pope was our Blessed Mother. It isn't about power. We're talking, first of all, about women in a church. That we need to sit there and know that the God of the universe, um, that he uses all of us, but it's not about the power thing. Jesus went against almost every cultural norm there was. He had women in his company. They ministered to him. He talked to them alone, but he never, ever had one to be part of the 12. Now, some people say they didn't do that because women would not have been accepted as a leader. But isn't it interesting? The first person who proclaimed the resurrection of Jesus was a woman. Talk about power. That it was the woman who sat there, Mary who said yes, that brought salvation in the world, that brought Jesus in the world, uh, Mary uh, Magdalene, or who got to proclaim that I have seen the Lord and sits there in the first one that proclaimed to all the world that Christ isn't dead, he's alive, but they weren't priests. So the, the, everyone has ministry, but it's not about power, it's about service. So we don't think about, we shouldn't be worried about who's in charge, we should be worried about what are we doing in God's will? Pope John Paul II says the church doesn't have the power to ordain a woman because Jesus didn't. Now, this also comes to the thing with our gay brothers and sisters. Being a homosexual, and I've known lots of them. I had uh, four friends of my die of AIDS when people died of AIDS still. It's been years ago. And I loved every one of these men. Huh? None of one of them was a priest, and two of them were seminarians at one time. They had been out, and they were just seeking love. Now, I never, ever, ever, ever said to them, even when we talked, and I would support them, that what they did was right. Because the Word of God says it's wrong. We can't go against what the Word of God says, right? And people put it into context, you know, like it says no fornicator went to the kingdom. That's someone who has sex outside of marriage, usually heterosexual sex. Now, okay, so I've been dealing with kids all these years, and a lot of kids, a lot of people, the people are even watching. They might be older and having sex outside of marriage. The word of God says no fornicator will ever enter the kingdom of heaven. Does that mean we hate fornicators? Does that mean we hate people who have sex outside of marriage? Does that mean we hate people or... Uh, uh, you know, because again, if you're if you're if you're a Catholic, you must be married with uh, the blessing of the Church in the Catholic Church or with the blessing. If not, you're an invalid marriage, which means you're living in adultery. Do we treat these people like they're bad and evil and don't love them? And uh, so, when the Word of God talks about, especially in Romans two, or Romans one, about uh, homosexuality and that the act, they're always talking about the actions, not the people. So. My biggest thing in dealing with homosexuals throughout all these years is that never, ever identify with your sexuality. Never, ever define yourself by your sexuality. You are a beloved son or a beloved daughter of the Father. Only Jesus 
will truly fulfill your emptiness. Only Jesus will fill and give you peace and love you the way you want to be loved. Now, when it comes to allowing people to get married, a gay homosexual uh, marriage net, we can't do that because Jesus in the early church, the early church didn't uh, allow it. And it, it really, you know, if we go to the Old Testament, the Old Testament's very clear about this, but it's the Old Testament's also clear about, again, not having sex with women who have, uh, are having their period and they could get, you know, you'd be killed for doing that or cut off from the community for that. You can't eat pig, you can't eat pork. There was a lot of things. And so people say, see, it's just the same father. You couldn't get tattoos. There's a bunch of different things then. And, but this is a moral issue. And so, the, and it's all based on the natural law. If a man and a woman come together, they fit physically together and they complement each other usually in their temperaments. And so two men and two women can't fit naturally. You know, they do it, but they can't fit naturally. So they can't complement one another and they can't bring forth life. And all sexuality is giving away your life naturally and letting God bring true life out of it. Now, again, there's many arguments for these things, and they're very detailed arguments. We can't get into this now. But we can get into that God loves every single person, no matter their sexual orientation, no matter their marital status, no matter whether they're in mortal sin or not in mortal sin. There isn't one person in the world that God does not love and that he, did, that he sent his son to die for. Every single person exists. Jesus Christ died for them on the cross. That being said, they have to freely accept Jesus into their heart and their life, and that means they accept his lordship. So God and the church accepts everybody where they're at. Of course, we better, but just like I am a celibate priest, when I became a celibate priest, part of that was I had to stay celibate. huh? And so it wasn't forced on me. I made a choice. We don't force Christianity on people. You have to make a choice, but when you do that, Jesus doesn't change his life for you. We got to change our life for him. The very first uh, words out of Jesus Christ's mouth was repent and believe. Change your life, man. Change your life. We want to accept Christ with no cross. We want God to accept us as we are and demand it and leave us there. God will always accept you where you are, but he's always going to call you and me to repentance. But I get it. Oh, trust me. I get it. But we always got to know that this isn't about joining a country club. It's about dying and letting Christ Jesus live inside of us and be the Lord of our heart and our lives. And so we got to always proclaim the truth of the gospel. We can't change the gospel for anybody. We don't change it for the world. We don't change it for the changing times. The gospel is true forever. And so, but we bring that gospel and we speak it in love and we walk with people. See, that's the whole thing. People say, I'm not going to walk with you. Well, then what's the point? We need to walk people, walk with people to get them where God wants them to be. 
And sometimes that's where we're never going to be. We say, nope, I'm not going to walk with you. You repent, you get your life in gear, then I'll be your friend. So we put conditions on love and we bring, put conditions on how we treat people. Nope, that can't be the way we do that. We love people everywhere where they are. We don't change the truth and we always invite them, walk with them until they come to surrender themselves to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Okay, that's number two. The third part of this is strict rules that focus and focus on sins. Yeah, you got that right. And you hear me saying, you hear Pope Francis say a lot, that we can't be focused on rules. We follow rules because we're in love. So before God gave the Ten Commandments, you've heard me say, he first set the people free from their slavery. Before uh, we should be giving all the people the rules and the commandments, we should help them to experience Jesus first. Because once they experience the love of God, once they have experienced being set free from sin by the blood of Jesus Christ, now and freedom they choose to love God. And when it comes to this focus on sin, it drives me crazy because many people do. I mean, the, the number one speakers, you go to the internet right now, the Catholic speakers, the priests that are number one, the hundreds of thousands of people listen to them, are filled with nothing but hatred and judgment. Right? And people love that. Yeah, 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 you say it, Father. He's speaking the truth. Really? Really? Is that, what's, is that what Jesus Christ sounded like? I don't know. I don't know if that's the, it's the way he sounded like to the daily mass people, if you will. The, the holy, holy people, that's what he sounded like. But he sure didn't sound that way to the sinners. Look at the scriptures. He did not sound that way to the sinful people. He sounded that way to the people who thought they were holy. Hmm. So sometimes we hate, or we don't hate, but we're, we're not living the way God, Jesus wants us to live. So we need to be focused because if the only reason you follow Jesus is because you're afraid of going to hell, who do you love? Yourself. It's an act of selfishness. You follow Jesus because he loves you and you respond to him in love, right? The word of God says he loved us first. This is love. He loved us first. So we got to love him first, huh? So, but those are the things that might help you. But again, you go to the Catholic Church because it's true, not because it makes you feel good. No one has hurt me as much as the Catholic Church has. No one. But I still love her. I still go for her. I still would die for her because the church is Jesus Christ. It's just that simple. We are his body. So, Hopefully that helps. It was a very long answer to a very long question. I know. Okay. Do, 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 do. What are your thoughts on the interior castle? Teresa Avila, I was ordained on her uh, feast day as a deacon in 1988. Uh, I have great... Uh, great love and I have a, a nice relic of uh, Teresa Avila and they said I needed a strong woman in my life and there's no stronger woman in a church than Teresa Avila. The interior castle is very beautiful. The, uh, my, my only concern with all that stuff, uh, even Thomas Kempis's, which I read every day, uh, Thomas Kempis's, uh, The Imitation of Christ, is all these things were written for the most part, not exclusively for, of course, from nuns and monks. And so it's very hard if you're a wife or a uh, husband and you have five kids 
to be trying to do the spirituality of the interior castle or even the imitation of Christ. Uh, we need more and more saints who tell us how to live being a saint. Um, when you have kids and everything else, like yesterday was the feast of St. Lawrence Ruzi, or R-U-I-Z, who is the first Filipino saint. And he was married, he was young, and he had three children. So here is a guy who had sex, who had a wife, who had kids, who's a saint of God, was a martyr. But how do you become a saint in your day-in, day-out life? We need more and more people like that to show us. And not just uh, really, really pious people, but people that know what it was to fight with your wife and fight with your husband and be strong in your kids and still be saints in the midst of that. So, but yes, those books are fantastic and read them, but just always remember they're written for people who are uh, monks and nuns, that that's what their focus in life is. So, but it'll still give you great insight. There's such great insights in these things. They just are. So yes, I encourage you to read them, but know that it's deeper and it ain't deeper. God, to, to do God's will means that you live, to, to be a saint means you live God's will. As you hear me say a thousand times. Teresa Avila was one of the first ones to say that, you know. And uh, like if you ever read, like a very great book to read would be, um, Introduction to the Devout Life by St. Francis de Sales. Introduction to the Devout Life by St. Francis de Sales. And in that book, he talks about, you know, it would be wrong for a woman who has 10 kids to spend hours in front of the Blessed Sacrament in the middle of the day when she should be taking care of her children. You know, so it doesn't go against your nature. So you got to live it as God calls you to in your particular state of life. So that's what I'm saying. Okay, so... Hopefully that helps. Okay. I just read Psalm chapter 1, verse 18 to 70. Their, their hearts are gross as solid fat, but I delight in your law. Do you think that sometime God speaks to us in Scripture to make us laugh and to get our attention? Absolutely. <laughs> I laugh half the time when I sit there and I'm reading and go, really? Or if I just did something and, you know, I was just angry or someone and then uh, I open the scripture and he talks about anger and I say, really? <laughs> you got to bring this to me? You know, because God loves us enough to hit us between the eyes when we need hit between the eyes. And he does that to me a lot. Okay. Hello, Father Larry. Quick question. Would it be possible for you to stream all of your masses, meaning Saturday mass and all of them on Sunday? No, because it gets to be too much. I can't, I don't have the people to uh, stand there to do all that. That's the primary reason uh, we don't stream all the masses. So we do it in, uh, at the time where most people can see it and because, um, you know, we have the Sunday morning mass at 11 o'clock, and then the daily Mass is Monday through Friday. So we don't have a Saturday, all those things I put on uh, the other way, but there's plenty of places to do it. It's just at ours. It's, uh, with 400 families, I have so many uh, people that volunteer. I only have so many people that volunteer, so it's very hard to get the, the people to do this stuff. And to get what I got took a heck of a lot, and some of them have to do it twice, so very grateful for these people, but... Uh, yeah, maybe someday we can just do it naturally, but yes, right now uh, it's not possible. 
Is it always a sin to tell a lie? My sister died on Father's Day. My brother has dementia. My sister told him she died. My sister-in-law said she was at home resting. Yeah, you can tell people things. We don't tell a lie that's going to hurt other people's feelings. Or we, you know, so sometimes people don't have to know the fullness of truth. And sometimes, like for instance, let's say you're, um, I don't know, you did something that uh, uh, you don't want everybody. No, I mean you have to do something. Not like for instance, like always telling a lie isn't always sinful. Why? The example we were taught in moral theology is. The Nazis come and you have um, Jewish people in the basement and they come and knock on your door and they say, are there Jewish people in your basement? You say, no, that was a lie. Is it an okay lie? Yes, it saved people's lives, you know, and sometimes people haven't the right to that particular truth. So there's a lot of things in there. And so what I'd encourage you to do, again, if you really want to know the theology about this, is have that very question, put it in Google and put Google and put Catholic, and you're going to find that the moral uh, reasons to not tell the fullness of truth or when you can tell a lie, but normally lies are wrong, of course. Okay, almost done here. Just bought my raffle tickets. Good job, Barbara. Thank you. Uh, late, but here. Hello, Leslie. I'm coming from North Canton, Ohio for a cold beer. Good job. Be there Saturday. Which masses will you be celebrating this weekend? The 415 mass I have. I have confessions at 3 o'clock. Follow that goes to 3 to 4 and then mass at 415. And then right after mass, uh, we go next door and we all have a fine time eating. Okay, I'm back. Hard to believe that. I was in Catholic Answers. I was at the Catholic Answers Conference this time last week. Such wonderful, faithful people. Yes, I used to speak to them for them a lot. I haven't spoken for them lately. So I, you all sit there and uh, write Chris check and say, how come you haven't had Father Larry on? What's the matter with you people? <laughs> and he will laugh, that's all. He's a good friend, good people down there. Very good people. Uh, I send people there all the time. Catholic Answers, fantastic organization. Father, is it a mortal sin to go to my brother-in-law's same-sex wedding? I want to love him and not divide my family. I'm struggling a lot. I have no peace with this. Again, Justin, Jesus ate and drank with sinners, first point. So we can eat and drink with sinners, first point. Second point, it isn't a marriage. It can't even become a marriage. It's no way, shape, or form. They can call it anything or want. It's not a marriage. Now, people talked to me when I asked this years ago about uh, participating in mortal sin, and they, they, uh, they brought up out of the catechism when I said, you have to pray about it. My biggest thing is I would not go to the wedding. I would go to the reception to show these people that you love them, uh, but not okay their sin, you know, because it's a sin they're homosexual. No, 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 let's go back. It's a sin there if they're practicing homosexuals every time they have an homosexual act. It's not a sin that they are uh, same-sex attracted, okay? Uh, so they can sit there and get married, and I wouldn't even make a big issue about it. I just say, I can't be there for the wedding, but I'll be there at the reception. Uh, that way you're not 
you're not showing any way that you're participating in that and you're doing that. Now you're going to find other priests, especially you can go online and the ones that scream and yell a lot, they'll say, Father Larry's 100% wrong. Okay, go for it. Listen to them. Uh, I'm just telling you the pastoral way to do this. Why? Because if, like, I, you know, I can't tell you, but I'm dealing with the whole situation similar in my own family and I'm not going to the uh, wedding because they're specifically excluding me from the thing that they, I need to be marrying them, but they refuse to let me come. Okay, well, they just show me you don't want me or the church there, so I'm not going. But I'm still loving them, and I'm still uh, doing everything. My mother got married outside the church. I was there. Officially, excuse me, she, she was in sin. I was not yet a priest. I was a seminarian. Now, I fixed theirs, and the reason I went to the marriage was so I could fix it later because... Um, we want everyone to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So if I was just to say, I hate you, you're done, I can't believe you do that, get out of my life, well then, the door would never be open to fixing things. And so the same thing, we have to make sure we're not closing people out of our life, we're keeping the door open so that they can come to salvation. So if they know that it hurts you, that you don't agree with it, but you still love them and you're going there to support them at their reception, then I would, uh, that could give you some kind of peace. Okay, that's just a pastoral reason. Objectively, should I go to these things? The answer is no. Everybody feel better? So, okay, I'm just giving you a pastoral way, but objectively, no, we shouldn't go to any of those things. Okay, I have a quick question for a young adult that is dating. How do they pursue purity of heart and body in a society obsessed with sex and sensuality? Any thoughts? Yes. Always what I've been done is I would tell them the word of God and make them learn the scriptures about these things. But then second, I would say you should always create a spiritual a union first. And so that means that you teach them how to pray with each other because that really is what people want is intimacy, right? And sexual intimacy outside of marriage doesn't create intimacy at all. It usually creates pain because it shows it tries to make two flesh one when it can't do it spiritually. It only does it physically. And that's why it doesn't bring peace. And so God brings people together. I, I do so much on this when I'm, when I'm dealing with a couple or a, a teenage kid that God can't uh, okay what's obe disobedient to him. And like I always tell like these poor kids yesterday, I says, do you love your girlfriends? They go, yes, father. And I say, well, if you love them, you'd never want to hurt them, right? Well, of course not, Father. And I said, so let's say you have sex with your girlfriend. And um, then she goes off right after, and she's driving home, and she gets killed. Well, objectively, she went to hell. And you loved her so much, you sent her to hell, aren't you? And they says, oh, Father, we hate you. I know, but that's the truth. The Word of God says Ephesians chapter 5, verses 5 to 7. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 5 to 7 says, make no mistake about it. No fornicator, someone who has sex before marriage. No fornicator, no unclean or uh, uh, no unclean or lustful person. In effect, an idolater will have any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ or of God. Let no one deceive you with worthless arguments. These are sins that bring down God's wrath on the disobedient. Therefore, have nothing to do with them. That's what the Word of God says. No one wants my opinion. Nobody cares for my opinion. I can only tell you what God says. And so that's all you can tell these people. That God, it's such a great act. Love is when we're most like God in the sexual act. 
because we can bring eternal life. We can bring a whole new being. We co-create with God and we give life to someone forever. What a great, great gift that is. That's why it can never be used selfishly or just for pleasure. It has to always be open and work and cooperate with this God of love, okay? But I can go much more, but I can't do it now. But thank you all for these questions today. Uh, There wasn't that many. We didn't have that many people watching today. Again, I'm going to be here next week. In the following two weeks, I will not be here. I'll be in Rome, Italy on my pilgrimage. So we will not have this. But when we come back, I want to change this. We want to do once a week uh, at night. And we're going to get rid of this afternoon time because, again, nobody can watch it. And people email me all the time and say, Father, it's just not possible for us to watch. And we want this to be as live as possible. Uh, And so we're going to be changing the time, but we won't be doing that until after I come back from Italy. So please pray for me. Please pray for our our, uh, Oktoberfest this weekend. Uh, If you can be here, please, it would be great to see you. And just pray for me and know that I'm praying for you every day. Okay? The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless, keep, and protect you. He who is Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you. 